Welcome to the L&D Career Club podcast, where purpose-driven people come to start and grow the L&D career of their dreams. I'm Sarah Canistra, an L&D career, business, and executive coach, and I'm here to take you on a weekly journey to create a seamless, energizing, and engaging L&D career blueprint so you can live a life of fulfillment, inspiration, and freedom. If you're here to find your first L&D role, move up the L&D ladder, or land that high-level L&D role you've been dreaming of, welcome to the club. Welcome back to another episode of the L&D Career Club podcast. I am so happy that y'all are here today hanging out with me. Happy holiday season to you all. Uh, We are almost in the middle of December. I don't know how time just keeps moving as fast as it does. Uh, I think they say as you get older, right, time moves faster. And I really feel that is becoming truer and truer. Um, But we are in the midst right now of the eight days of course giveaways on my LinkedIn. So last year in the spirit of Hanukkah, um, I'm Jewish, I celebrate Hanukkah. Last year in the spirit of Hanukkah, I did eight days of book giveaways. This year I am holding on to all of my books. I'm not giving them away. Um, I'm actually building a little library in my house. So now I need to hoard all of my books to fill up my new bookshelves. Um, But this year we are doing eight days of course giveaways. So I am giving away a different course every day on my LinkedIn. Uh, When this goes live, we'll be on day five already. So uh, we'll still have quite a few yummy courses to give away. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out, head on over to my LinkedIn and enter to win one of my awesome, really fun courses. Would love to have you over there. Um, Speaking of other fun, really amazing things that are going on, I'm offering a free masterclass at the end of this month. And we're going to be focusing all around your 2024 L&D career master plan. So basically what we're going to be looking at is setting goals. I'm going to show you the four different parts of the career transition process that you should be focusing on in 2024 if you're looking for a new L&D career. We're going to be looking at how do we take the time that you actually have to dedicate to a career transition. That's whether you're trying to get into L&D for the first time, maybe you've decided that you are ready to rock and roll and get a, get a new role in 2024, maybe you're currently unemployed and you're ready to land that next job. No matter what, we're all working with different time. Um, you know, but what do they always say? Like Beyonce has the same 24 hours in a day. And it's like, we don't all have the same 24 hours in a day, right? And so we're going to look at how do we divide your time, uh, the time that you do have and make sure that we're using using it in the most efficient way, in the most strategic way, um, as well as what are the different areas that you all can focus on to really maximize your career transition in 2024. So we're going to be, it's not just a masterclass, we're going to be workshopping it. You're going to leave with this built out plan that you can really tackle in 2024 to find, land, and love your new L&D role. So that is completely free. It's going to be 90 minutes. So we have a long time together, which I love. Um, You can access the link. It's in the show notes here. It's also, if you go to my LinkedIn page, it is on the featured section. It's the first one that's on there and you can register. You'll get the Zoom link and we will party on the, what do I keep forgetting what date it is? (laughs) 21st. I don't know why. In my mind, in my mind, I want to say the 20th, but I know it's the 21st. Uh, 21st, 6 p.m. Eastern. Again, you can access the uh, link to register inside of the show notes. You can also grab it in my LinkedIn featured section. Okay, let's get on to today's episode. I am so excited to have this guest on. She's someone whose research and work I admire so much and someone who I really learn from. So, you know, I like to to look at my network as an opportunity for me to grow and learn, not just from a business perspective, but for me to actually grow and learn in the field of learning. And Lauren Waldman is one of the people who I'm just constantly learning from and pushing me to to evolve. So she is the founder and CEO of Learning Pirate Inc. And she has one true purpose in this world, which is to evolve our abilities to learn, design learning, and be better overall human beings. She's triple certified in neuroscience from Harvard, Duke, and John Hopkins, and she has designations in learning design and adult learning. She's also designed and implemented learning programs for ambitious organizational change initiatives, national sales and marketing launches, and large-scale onboarding programs. She's worked with some of the most prominent industries, so think banking, hospitality, government, IT, and organizations such as Allstate, Royal Caribbean, 
TCS, Tokyo Disneyland, which sounds amazing, and KPMG. And what she's been doing with those organizations is increasing employees' ability to learn, transfer, and produce results with greater efficiency and strategy. As a highly sought-after speaker, Lauren's trademark experimental talks have kicked off global learning weeks and simulated curiosity on conference stages globally. She is known for being entertaining, which you'll see in this podcast, and educational, also see in this podcast, while simulating her audiences to explore the untapped potential of their own brains. Y'all are going to, if you don't already know Lauren, you're going to love her. She is unabashed in her desire and her passion. It just comes, it exudes out of her. And I I felt honestly all like I could have talked to her about this for a five hour long podcast. So I know we'll have her back on the show <laughs> so we can talk more about it and dive into uh, partnering with our brains, right? And really becoming becoming one with them and understanding how they work and not only for ourselves, but for our learners as well. So I know you all will love this episode. If you haven't met Lauren already, uh, welcome to her world. Make sure to follow her on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and let us know what you think about this episode. Lauren, welcome to the L&D Career Club podcast. How are you doing today? I am so good and so hot as we end the heat wave here in Toronto and I think everywhere in the world. (laughs) Yeah, we were just, I know we were just talking about it before, before we hit record of uh, the different, different uh, degrees that we are in, are in right now and how uh, here in Texas, it's going to be chilly next week in the, in the high eighties. And I can't wait for it. (laughs) I mean, I here in Toronto right now, it's like my Afro is going to be the size of this meeting room that I'm in right now by the time. (laughs) Throughout, it, throughout the call, it's going to expand. It's going to get bigger. Inbox. It's just going to get bigger. I'm not going to be able to see you anymore. And um, yeah, we're just going to rock a cousin it look. We love it. We love a cousin it look. Well, good thing. I mean, I can see you, but this uh, video won't actually go anywhere. So um, everyone will have to use their their imagination. Use right your imagination now. on that one, guys. Well, we are twinning in our in our black tank top, so you guys yes. can use your imagination in that. But. I'm so, I am so happy that we got connected. So we've been connected now for a couple of months. I've been following your work for much longer than that. Uh, and just obsessed with everything that you do in full transparency and honesty. And I'm so excited to have you here and get to share, share you with the world a little bit more too. Uh, I think everyone needs to have a Lauren in their brain and in their pocket. Uh, and today we're going to really talk all about that. So First and foremost, though, I want to talk talk about your journey in learning and development. So I loved reading about like your experience on LinkedIn and twists and turns. And you've had so many really fun roles. You've done a lot of more entrepreneurial stuff as well. Um, I saw that you were an onboard training and development officer for a cruise line. So it sounds like you might have traveled a lot in doing that, too. Uh, Even look at your experience. I'm like, oh, wow, she did this here and not there. So um, geographically, a lot of twists and turns too. So I'd love for you to walk us through your personal career journey and how you got into L&D in the first place and your path to becoming the one and only learning pirate. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like we're, I mean, this could take up like a whole week's worth of episodes. So we'll, we'll, Let's do, do, it. we'll do the quick and dirty, the quick and dirty version. Um, I don't know how many people actually know that I, I had no no sort of trajectory when I started my sort of professional career of of even going into learning or teaching or anything like that. Like back in the day, I was en route to be an event manager. So all throughout university, I was working for uh, a really well-known clothing company and as a, a event manager. So I would go to all these amazing like concerts and festivals and like that's kind of the life that I was I was going to live. Um, and then my last year of university, it was a friend of mine in one of my classes. He went over to Japan to teach and he said, hey, come over. And I was like, OK, <laughs> why, why not? I've got nothing else to do right now. Just thinking I would go to Tokyo, I would rock it out there. I'd be like a crazy event person there and like just keep going. But um that obviously just wasn't the case. I started teaching, like, you know, as many went over as a teacher and was teaching at ESL. And I was also side hustling. I was doing events and I was like writing for a magazine and doing really cool stuff. But, you know, the teaching was just something I adored doing. I loved doing it. And eventually I started moving up that ladder 
and went from teaching just like, you know, high school students and, and young students to the corporate world. And so I was working with like Tokyo Disneyland people. I was working with JAL, uh, BMW in, in Japan was like the coolest people that I ever worked with over there. And I just started sort of that trajectory right after those moments. So I realized teaching wasn't just for the classroom. It could be in the corporate space and it could have all these amazing different experiences. And, and that was that. I just started building my career in learning and development from there. And, and I think as you saw, um, I just kind of let it take me where it took me. I love okay. to travel and, and I loved exploring the world and it's taken me all over the place. So yeah, and of course on the uh, at sea as well, as you saw, I worked for Royal Caribbean <laughs> onboard training manager. That was an awesome, fulfilling, challenging role as you can possibly imagine. Probably the most challenging uh, role I've had had to date was as the onboard training officer for the cruise ship. That's awesome. So, I mean, today we're really going to focus on talking all about our brains. And so yeah. I like to, when we dive deep into a particular topic, I like to to almost level set and make sure everyone, we're all using the same language here. So can you give us a high level kind of definition of neuroscience in relation to the L&D field. So kind of set the stage as to what we're actually going to be talking about today. Yeah. So, you know, there, when we talk about neuroscience and learning, you know, there's multiple areas in which we can go to, but when you think about what neuroscience really is, neuroscience is the study of our, our brains, our central nervous systems. And so we're looking at operational function, we're, you know, looking at things like neurochemistry, and really everything that makes us us and how we operate is the study of neuroscience. When we look at how that transfers into learning development, there's different avenues within the field as well. We've got educational neuroscience, we've got cognitive neuroscience. And where I come in as one of the, I, I, would, I would dare to say maybe from, from everyone else's perspective, one of the sort of leaders in this new niche is in the practical application of the neuroscience and cognitive neuroscience and while we're, while we're at it, behavioral science and you know all the sciences that we can get our hands on into the design of learning and then teaching others how to learn better with better strategy and with the science. So there is no neuroscience of learning. It's we're informed by the science and it's it's still, as, as we all know, it's coming into our field, but it's still very relatively new. Yeah, I saw too. I think it was in, I think it was in your course, um, like almost you being referred to as like that translator, right? Yeah. Of being able to take that and say, hey, okay, here's here's now that practical application piece. And there's so many, there, there's that that's missing in so much of what we do is mm -hmm. okay. Here's all the data, amazing. But now, what do we do with it? And I love that you're actually giving the tangible tools to say, hey, here, okay, great. That that data is awesome. But now here's what we do with it. If you're if you're not a neuroscientist and you don't know how to yeah. synthesize that data, here's how you you do that. And so with that, I mean, if you're thinking back to even your your own career, was there a pivotal or an aha moment that stood out for you where you recognized that this idea of neuroscience and the practical application of it was a missing element in L&D and, and basically in how we develop and deliver learning experiences? Was there like one moment or a collection of moments? How did you, how did you become the learning pirate and, and focus, make this your life's work essentially? You know, so it, first of all, it was incredibly intuitive. That was what I first learned. So I've been teaching for years. I've been, you know, educating like globally and, and doing all of this stuff for years. And I noticed or maybe I just thought that the way that I went about it was always a little bit different than everybody else around me. So I think there was a lot of intuition at play, but it wasn't until a conference where I was opening for one of the keynotes and they were speaking about neuroscience and learning. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. Now I understand where the intuitive force is coming from, but I want to know more. I desperately needed to know more. And that's sort of the beginning of the journey to becoming and, and starting learning pirate was this, okay, let me look into neuroscience. Let me see what this is really about. But I'm the type of person who I go all in. So, and I love, I love being a student. Yeah. So for me, it was going in and saying, okay, 
let me find somewhere to start. So I started with like a couple of books. I'm like, okay, this is amazing. This is fascinating. Books are not going to cut it if I want to, if I really want to deep in. And that's when I started doing my certifications. And that's when those aha moments came in. Because when you have no prior experience in a topic, no, you know, no knowledge base, and you're starting from scratch, like most of us will be when we're talking about learning about our own brains, it's devastatingly hard. Yeah. And when you're an adult, you know, and you're starting and you're learning something again for the first time, especially on an academic level, it's kind of hard not to feel really down on yourself to be like, why don't I understand this? Or why is this so hard? Or like, why is this, you know, just all the whys, right? From yelling at professors on the screen to like breakdowns on the <laughs> kitchen floor. You know, this is public knowledge. I actually use this in my keynotes. Like I show I show everybody my learning ugly. It's in the course as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's like, there's no shame here. But it was those moments of going through that experience myself as a true learning experience as an apple and realizing number one, I have no idea how to learn properly. Cause if I did, maybe this wouldn't be so hard. Yeah. And then number two, realizing that learning needs to be hard, but it can be easier if we have a better strategy. And you know, then, then it was, wait a second, I'm learning about my brain. I'm learning about the thing that's doing all of this. And that will profoundly change anybody. Like absolutely anybody is a fundamental human being. That's so special. And I think too, it's, it's, it sounds like it was that you had that intuition, right. But you were like slowly getting these like little signs <laughs> and the things. And then all of a sudden, like it just, it, it, it all came together. I, I've experienced that before too, of little things where I'm like, Oh, you know, that's something I've always been doing or that's interesting. And then you, you, you get, you get to the knowledge source or the start of the knowledge source essentially. And it's just the floodgates open and it can be scary and it can feel like you're drowning, you know, at times too, with so much information out there and, and it you know, really be having to, I know you talk about joining forces with your brain, but I feel like at first you're like fighting with your brain Oof, <laughs> is, is, yes. is, what it, is what it seems like, right? It's like, you have to, it's almost like you have to put the good fight in to finally like surrender and say, okay, now we join forces. <laughs> get to, Yeah. It's like what I say, get through the moments of Kerr to get to the moment of Yar, right? Yeah, and Yar, like, like for anyone who doesn't know, it stands for you are really ready. And that was the moment that I, that's the moment that I got to. Like I've recounted this story so many times because the memory is so vivid after like almost a year of studying. And I was in my final exams for the first certificate for, from Harvard. Right. Cause like, if you're going to start somewhere, you might as well start at the top Might as well. I mean, right. Yeah. Like <laughs> go big or go home. <laughs> oh, it was so brutally hard. Um, and I'm so grateful for that experience because it was the only way that I could then be a better translator as you know moving forward and, and really get into the lens of the people that we would be helping not just the learners and the customers that we're serving but us us as L&D professionals I, t I feel like I just took on that heavy lifting for everybody yeah. <laughs> like I got this one. guys I took this one I took this <laughs> one for the team don't try to do this you'll go crazy um to be that like you said to to be that translator that I now am and building the board around me, um, being part and, and being a credible part of the scientific community and being honored with the title of learning scientists from them. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so amazing. And then to be able to, to almost like straddle those two lines, right. Oof. Of like having that, like, and that's probably a really challenging place to, to be. And I know for you, I mean, we've had conversations offline that I know it's a very challenging yeah. place for you. And, you know, I was listening to something you had, had, uh, posted about recently and and I feel like this is kind of where it does sometimes straddle the line about how we have these L&D <clears throat> practitioners and we have these organizations and oftentimes we as we've been you know as I say we as an L&D practitioners that we have been in this state for a very long time of putting the cart before the horse when it comes to skilling upskilling reskilling right all of those things and you talk a lot about that being a behavior change and it is and i think we could probably collectively agree that when we're reskilling upskilling whatever it is that it requires behavior change but you argue that most people don't have a good handle on how to actually change a behavior mm -hmm. or a habit mm -hmm. and that that needs to be taught at that kind of first fundamental level before we can look at actually changing behaviors organizationally around around skilling so with all of that like and having to kind of straddle that line and knowing those two, those truths, essentially, 
what what are some of those fundamental skills if we're thinking about it from a translating in that at that most fundamental level do we need do people need to be taught first before reskilling or upskilling and how can we as L&D start to incorporate that in our processes and strategies it's so much to tackle yeah like it is a, it's a lot to tackle so Please share, share your talk. life's work with yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, why not, right? Um, so, <laughs> like I can, I can speak. Okay, so the very first thing that I had to do as a learning and development professional, as an educator who had been doing it for well over a decade was wave my white flag and be like, whoa, not doing it wrong, need to be doing it better. Ooh, no too much now. I love that. Not love doing it wrong, need to be doing it better. Love it. Yeah. And so I knew that even going back into an academic environment where I was up against other academics and then into L&D and up against other L&Ds um, and saying, hey, I'm one of you. I'm one of you. And I'm not saying that we ha we've all been getting it all wrong, but over 300 years of doing it the same way isn't serving us anymore. So let's talk about this. Now, when it comes to like like we were talking about the cart before the horse scenario, it comes from my own experience. I mean, I was a CLO. I like I was an instructional designer. I did all the things, and it was a frustration that I'm sure that a lot of people listening are are probably feeling as well too. Is you put in as as much effort and as much much hard as you can to attempt to help somebody learn something, but it fails more often than not because we were never taught how to learn. We were taught what we thought was learning in the classroom and through those behaviors, right? And those habits that we that we curated, whether that be um, rote, excuse me, rote memorization or cramming, um, you know, reading, rereading. Like it's just what we have, the behaviors and the habits that we cultivated during our educational processes, we carried those over and over and over. And we've never challenged those <laughs> for the most part. We just transferred them into the different environments. So when we go into an environment like L&D where the expectations because there are business outcomes that people are looking for right and we're always looking for time and money right. but there are outcomes but because we're not allowing for the human process of learning to take its due course in time we're changing a brain and that takes time right we don't go to the gym pick up a weight and all of a sudden we've got like the best like biceps and triceps um, and we don't do that in learning and development either. We don't just roll out a roll out a training course for a week or whatever it is, and all of a sudden we know it. Boom, downloaded. Like we're in the matrix. Got it. Amazing. <laughs> like, I know. What, maybe one day, but not do. today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we need to. And again, this is my opinion. It's open to be challenged. But from my personal experience, from my scientific experience, is if we don't really have a handle on what it means to learn from the inside out. What is the operational system itself doing and how do we harmonize and work with that so that we can learn better? And then we take that knowledge and we transfer it into the way that we design learning for others as well, because we now understand how the operational system at a fundamental level is working, then we can design better for it. But without those two things coming together, learning is never gonna be as successful as it can be. And I think it, when we don't consider our brains in the process too, we, it sounds like, sounds like that's what, what has one of the many things that has kept us in this loop mm. of doing things the way they've always been done, yet still wondering why nothing's changing, but we still, we still get, we get caught up in that loop. And it sounds like to me, this is what can start to break Oof, that cycle, yeah, which is probably scary for a lot of people, right? So, like, I, I wonder if that. I mean, I guess again, we're gonna go, go off topic here for a second. Like, why, why don't more people focus on this? Like, what if we know that that will? We know. I mean, there's science. It's literally science. Like, we know that focusing on this will lead to better outcomes. There's yes. no question about that. Why aren't more people focusing on it? I would love the answer to that question awesome. because it's absolutely wild to me that even in academic settings, and then let's go into our own learning and development people that I 
still have to convince somebody at this point. Mm. Convince, I have to convince you that learning about learning, learning about your brain, again, fundamental levels. When you say, let's learn about your brain. Yeah, that's overwhelming and intimidating. You're like, hell no. I don't want to know. I don't want to yeah. know what's going Actually, on. Actually, I do not want to go. Yeah, I pay no, someone no. to tell me what's going on in there. Right? Like, <laughs> but this is a completely different level. And I think, you know, during the pandemic, we had a lot of a lot of visuals on on the brain and on mental health and 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 it it definitely it was a start it was a start but if we continually associate learning about our brains with mental health which is incredibly important i'm not i'm not dismissing that it's incredibly important but when we can use that knowledge to also excel in other ways and even those things have crossover, right? When we talk about something like emotional regulation, behavioral monitoring, cognitive monitoring and regulation, these are all fundamental human things, right? And very tangible examples of these are, you know, when we talk about the skills that we can have as human beings, but then can transfer into learning and our designs of learning are, let's talk about focus and attention. Yeah. Focus is a skill. Focus is a skill that we can cultivate, right? And it just takes a bit of practice. Just like we want to, we want to, you know, up our muscles at the gym. We want to flex our brain and we want to flex those, those strengthen those networks to help us in these situations where we're learning. Now, if you understand at a fundamental level how to focus better and sort of a, a little bit of the operations that's happening inside, well, guess what? That enables you as a learning designer to now help somebody else through your design, through your design, and knowing how can I work with the operational system versus against the operational system, which 90% of learning designers do because they just don't know yet. Yeah. Like like me, I didn't know yet either. I wanted it to be fun. That was my like, I'm going to design learning that's fun. Entertainment. <laughs> Entertainment. Yeah. Choo -choo. <laughs> and it turned All into aboard. An yeah. And then it turned into like a, you know, a learning train wreck. So like... <laughs> that everyone couldn't stop looking at <laughs> it sounds like too i mean from a from an L D practitioner background it's in in doing in focusing on the idea of of incorporating in neuroscience and and helping our helping our employees focus on mm. partnering with with their brains right joining forces with their brains it makes it, I'm almost like envisioning like a sponge, right? It's, it's making the sponge more absorb, like the brain more absorbent. So like you're actually that what you are creating, even if we're talking just focus, right? That this, this person's able to focus even 10% more mm. than they were before that there's, there is more, I mean, there's more to the story there, but there's more absorption that can be happening with that content that you created. So like, why, why not? Like, why not focus on that knowing that, yeah, they're going to pick up more of what we're putting out there. Right. If we're helping them and supporting them with understanding and, and being able to better utilize their brain. Right. And it's, it's a no brainer, right? It's a no brainer, everyone. <laughs> it's a no brainer, but it's, it's again, I think when you start to scratch the surface on some of these things, right, it becomes phenomenal because I think you've just nailed, a, a, you know, something that I speak about a lot is a very, very important point. It's not the responsibility of learning development to change a whole organization through learning. It is the responsibility of the humans also doing the learning to learn how to do it better so that the two functions can harmonize, right? And it's beautiful because for any of my leaders out there who are listening to this, you want to be a rock star in your organization. Then if you want to actually show the rest of your population, what an L&D team can really do, upskill them first. That's yeah. number one. Upskill them first. Let's learn about learning. Let's learn about the science. Let's learn how to design learning that is more adaptive to how a brain operates. But then go out to the organization and offer them an all-employee. See who shows up. This is something that I do constantly, you know, when people, like you said, it can be hard to know how do we start and how do we bring this knowledge into, into an organization and the way that I've done it. And with big companies and small companies, all the companies, I said, let's do an all employee. I said, I'll show up. I'll do a talk. We're going to talk about brains and learning and it's going to be interactive and awesome. And that's the scratch of the surface. 
And typically, these aren't things that are brought to an employee population in an organization. But if the L&D team is bringing it, saying, we've got a learning scientist and we just want to kind of like bring her out. You can ask her questions about your brain. She's going to tell you about all of these wonderful things about focus and memory and like all. It transforms from both sides. And how often, and I know the answer is not very often, do people get access to not just a learning experience, like, hey, we're going to do a webinar for everybody, and everyone goes, ah, another one? Blah. <laughs> wah, wah. But when you show a fundamental interest in the people as human beings first and not as your employees, that's when we can have a shift in behaviors. Yeah. I care I, about I, you as a person. And I think, too, it's like, Two things that I'm really getting from that is that that latter point here of you know, we're all we're all humans having a human experience. So how mm. can we as L and D just enhance the human experience for people? End of story. But the other part of it too is giving giving employees the tools to be a better partner in their own learning. Yeah, and absolutely. I think that's that's missing so so much. I mean, I actually think it's pretty much non-existent if we look across the board of are we actually setting people up for success in their own learning, even if we're creating incredibly well-intentioned and well-designed learning programs, if we're not setting people up for success in them, then what like we are wasting everyone's time here. And so I, I appreciate those those two points really specifically because it just shows more of like the holistic ecosystem that it's not, mm, it's not just mm, us, right? No. It's our responsibility. There's so many different partners at play here to actually make a successful learning intervention or learning program. And a lot of it starts with how, how are we helping people help themselves too? Yes, absolutely. And this is, you know, my element is, and where my happy space is, is in that design factor, right? Because when something is scientifically designed, we have the opportunity within the design to help the person to cultivate those skills as they go. We can help them cultivate. This is, you know, as you've seen with the series with joining forces, that's how it was designed. How do I help somebody understand how their brain is operating, but then give them the utilization of the practices and the experiments so that they can strengthen those abilities. And I've got so many people who have now gone through that series and the series is not for, you know, it's it's not directed directly towards the L&D people. It's, it's for the general public, for everybody to learn these things. But the L&Ds have been coming back and saying, okay, yeah. okay, I see it now. I see it. I don't know exactly where, you know, where I need to do this, you know, and that's when we can work together to work on, you know, okay, how do we transfer this now into to your profession? But they're like, okay, now, no, 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 we see it, we see it. And they're finding the deficits in their designs. They're finding the deficits in the way that they learn. They're finding the deficits in the way that they work. And just as a fundamental, again, it always comes back to us as fundamental human beings is, okay, I'm not focused right now. <laughs> where, Where is my attention? It is not where it needs to be. Or, okay, this memory is, this is how a memory is created. You know, on a general level, I can go into almost any classroom any learning and development team and ask that one very simple question and it's answered by crickets yeah if you don't know how memory is created how the heck are you designing or how are you helping somebody create a memory yeah to remember their, something to remember yeah. something and i'm not just talking but like space repetition and interleaving those are great most people in our industry know them and they use them incorrectly because there are variables there are time variables where those where those methodologies need to be put in place and once you understand what it takes to create different types of memories in a human brain. There's different types, there's different memory systems. Then as they say, you're cooking with fire. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of this too, I mean, similar to what you just mentioned at the end here of like, I think a lot of it comes down to either bad information or a poor game of telephone or even doing <laughs> the same thing for the last, like you mentioned earlier, 300 years and not changing. And I think there are a lot of myths out there. Um, about like how to create better learning um and you know there's and we talk about this before too right there's not nearly enough people to help us understand about our brains and mm -hmm. how we as L D practitioners can really 
use that knowledge to craft special and impactful learning experiences. So when you think about these kind of myths that are out there, or maybe maybe not even myths is the right word, it could be, but maybe some outdated tools, like mm-hmm. what do we need to steer clear, steer clear of as L&D professionals in the name of neuroscience? Like what can we wa- wash our hands of and be like, okay, let's not, let's not play with those anymore. I mean, we still see, you know, to all of all of the people who just love a good LinkedIn battle, we still see the, you know, the right brain, left brain, 10%. We only use 10% of our brains. Um, I, I won't even, I won't even say the big one. Don't even say it. Just, I won't even say it. You guys know, everyone who's listening, you know what that big one is. And if you see it, it is clickbait. Congratulations. You have just been clickbaited. Um, and, you know, I think we can, we always need to be looking out for those ones and, and just like putting a hard, like, you know, X across. I'm like, no, hard no on these ones. But I think where we really need to be turning our attention is the cool thing about learning about the brain and learning and the sciences is that you're not only learning about how we work with it, we're learning about how we work, how we often work against it. Yeah, I love that. And that to me was the most fascinating part about my own journey is like, oh man, Lauren, <laughs> like, what were you thinking? Like, or, you know, sitting there and trying to push through another hour, another 30 minutes, like, and like most people will, um, not changing my environment when I'm feeling my anxiety or my stress starts to raise, not knowing how to take a, a intentional breath to downregulate a stress response or to regulate a stress and focus response, right? If focus is our gateway to learning, well, how do we do that? And how do, you know, and it's honestly, Sarah, it's crazy because even for everything that I know, I still, we're never going to know as much as I would like to know about the brain. We chase that rabbit hole. But when we can understand that we have neurochemistry, we've got chemistry in our brains that we can activate in order to be in certain states, it changes everything, everything. I use the example in the series because I still do this to this day. You know, it's like, I'm I'm five minutes to having to walk out the door. I've like got to get to the office. I've got, I've got the meeting that I'm supposed to be in the next like 30 minutes in my head. And I'm running around frantically, you know, where's my bag? Where's my keys? Where's my phone? Like, where's all this? I'm like, whoa, I can't, I'm working at that moment on an emotional response and it is hijacked my executive function. I am not focused and I'm going to forget things. I'm going to like run out the door and then I'm sure everybody, everybody's had this experience and you're a liar if you haven't. And when you run out the door, you get like halfway down the driveway or the sidewalk. And you're like, God damn it. I forgot. You run back inside and you think you've only forgot that one thing, but then you get like further down the street. You're like, ah, damn it. Yeah, 100%. I've been there many times. So when you have these, these skills of being able to, okay, take a breath, downregulate with that, that emotional response that's being activated in a very particular part of my brain called the amygdala and activate my executive function and my prefrontal cortex, which is my governing my ability to focus, to behave, to set goals, to problem solve, to, you know, it's all the executive functions. Well, now I can stop in that moment and go, girl, take a breath. Like you're a hot mess right now. And if you don't want to like be the woman who's running up and down the sidewalk on you know, on the street, get your, just stop for a minute, join yeah. forces with your brain. And I can tell you with absolute certainty, it's a significant life skill to have <laughs> to be able to be able to downregulate and focus like that. Yeah. And it sounds like too, you know, that going back to your like the idea of like clickbait and those things too that mm. you know, anyone who's speaking in these like s- specific not like specific numbers necessarily but like no those posts and those myths or whatever it is is misinformation it's not giving you actual like tangible tools of what to do what to do no. and so i think it's important what i just got from what you were saying too is Stop focusing and listening and 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 focusing on on those whatever we're going to call them and more focusing on turning inward and saying how can I harness this yes. and what are practical ways that I can partner with my brain I can join forces with it to better my own experience and then yes. 
how can I now share that with other people too, right? So through, through learning and, and making sure it's incorporated in those learning experiences as well. So I, I appreciate that, that almost lens of, you know, it's easy to get sucked into the clickbait, but it's much harder to say, okay, let me actually do some of the work myself. But once yes. we do that, we're able to then almost allow our brains to see that, see all that data, data, yeah. air quotes, uh, for, for what it is, which is just an opportunity for people to yell online. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's part of it. Hey, it's part of learning. Yeah. It's part learning is hard. And that's part of the struggle, right? Like, the struggle that we feel is the activation of neurochemistry because our norepinephrine and the stress response hits us, right? But how yeah. do we not pass the threshold of that so that we're not in a complete tailspin and can't focus? Yeah, well, we can. We can. We can actually activate another neuro neuromodulator that will help us focus. We need both, right? Yeah, like, we like need, the cheat we code. Like you it. have the cheat codes, you just need to activate them. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like. I quite, I was talking to someone the other day and I was like, oh man, do you guys remember when Super Mario came out and all of like the little fun things that you could do to get extra lives, like and to save the princess? <laughs> that kind, that game could have gone on forever. Yeah. <laughs> so, because you knew all of these little things, these little extra things, right? And in this case, it's just knowing about the, the operational system. So how do I, I'm, the, the goal for me in, in doing everything that I do is how do I help other people create the pages to their operational manual of their brain so that they can use it the way that they need to use it? Yeah. And I mean, thinking about this too, you know, from an L&D perspective, like what, what is at risk for us, our profession, our field, if we don't start joining forces with our own brains, first that kind of sounds mm -hmm. like it you need to like you help yourself so you can help others yeah. um and then helping other people in our organizations join force with theirs like what what happens to L&D if we just keep doing things the way we've always done them I think we're already seeing it extinction is pretty much the route that we're going and I I can say that with with sadness and confidence unfortunately because the trends that we have seen in the past year we see almost on a weekly, bi-weekly basis, either someone that we personally know or just someone like for residual like social media, we're seeing whole team was made redundant, whole team was laid off, um, looking for a new job. Like it's it's happening way too often right now. And this is something that I'll be speaking about at the conferences overseas is we really are fighting and we shouldn't have to fight. We really shouldn't have to fight. L&D, you have a seat at that table. But where we where we have really sort of messed up is we haven't voiced how, how incredibly valuable. We are not just a cost center in an organization. And I think that's how it's been seen. And I'm sharing this. Um, if, any, if anyone's on LinkedIn, uh, and maybe we'll put this in the show notes so people can look. Yeah. I did a survey. Um, because I wanted to ask, and this was this is data that I wanted to collect for for a keynote that I'm doing. But I wanted to ask, I'm like, what is the perception of learning and development in your organization? It wasn't good. Yeah, I have my clients ask that question in their interviews when they're yeah. I, like, for them to know, hey, what are you actually walking into? Like, what, yeah. what is that perception? But the interesting part was is that the answers. And this was an, it was amazing because we got over a thousand respondents, which is amazing data. That's a crazy amount of data. And the respondents, though, get great comments, great data in the responses to the poll, but they're biased because it's us. It's yeah. us analyzing our own function. But the problem is, and if, if someone finds that post and you look at the comments and you look at the results from the from the survey, it's. Well, if that's the way that we're talking about ourselves, how in the world are we supposed to be seen as a valuable asset to an organization? Yeah. We need to fight harder and we need to prove more. And what better way to do it than to say, okay, time to step up and show you what we can really do, but let us do it first. Yeah. Yeah. Let us do it first. And I think there's a lot of intentionality that comes along with that too. And, yes. and, and one of the things for me in watching your course, and we'll talk more about 
kind of the the we'll go in depth in a little bit uh joining forces with your brain which i don't even like want to call it a course because it's thank you like, I was it's, just like, <laughs> it's like it's not that but for the sake i was just like you know putting it out there because it's it's just this i mean bundle of goodness is really what it, what it is um you know I, I couldn't help but personally notice the intentionality and i think I, I, even in my notes to myself, I wrote like int intentionality doesn't even, you know, seem like a, a word that does it justice. But, you know, I see how you've designed that experience. And I'd love to hear from a, a learning lens and an mm -hmm. LNT, you know, learning lens, like if you could walk us through a little bit of the behind the scenes of your own process. Yeah. of your using neuroscience to create a course on neuroscience <laughs> a pretty meta experience i'm sure you had there but uh i would love to hear a little bit more about about that and how you use your own tools to create that i mean i'm not shy in telling everybody that i adore what i do i love being a scientific learning designer but i'm also not shy in telling people it is really cognitively exhausting when i'm doing it it takes, first of all, it takes a substantial amount of research. So even to just prepare to design and to disseminate what you see in those videos takes months and months and months of research. Um, we're looking at white papers, we're looking at reviews. Um, there's the me extracting the, the pieces and then going into the design of, of the chapters themselves, going to my board, holding board uh, uh, board meetings so that we're I'm I'm being validated by by the scientists and the researchers themselves before this goes public. So the process itself is incredibly lengthy and it's incredibly long. Then comes the happy madness that I talk about, which is I want to tell you all everything. <laughs> and there's so much of it. And so it's a it's a madness between wanting to share as best as I can, but using the science in the back end of the design at the same time which means the intentionality that you saw and um, which is me directing people like, yo, stop. I know you haven't stopped. Pause this video right yes. now. Yeah, I'm talking no, really to you. stop. No, seriously. Like really it. serious. I, was, like, I know. <laughs> well, the funny thing is I didn't stop it. I was like, okay, then I was like, okay, I need to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's that conditioning, right? Yeah. So it's that conditioning. It's using cues and triggers throughout the throughout the series. It's on using the the operational functions of the brains of the people who are going to be engaging with it. And then it's the using the metacognitive theory, using that metacognitive awareness to take you through this crazy journey where you get to learn, but you're being activated at the same time, which is why there's so many of those experiments embedded into it. So we, we we do these experiments where you can start to feel in some cases. I mean, you can share with me if you actually had that moment in yourself where you feel like, oh God, that just happened in my brain. That literally just happened. Yeah. And then it's that transfer of, okay, well, if this is happening to me, then what does that mean for the learning? The learning? So that's my process in the back end is constantly constantly thinking what's your operational system going to be doing when i'm doing this that's number one using the arsenal of science that i have which is challenging because there's so much of it to use that's great but you can't use it all um and then what was the most critical element of designing the series was to make sure that as people are going through that journey it's you have those activation moments with your own you have very personal moments with your own brain going Oof, yeah, that happened. Okay, now I realize that this is a thing that's going on in my own brain, but then you need to then experiment with yourself, which is another part of the journey, is I embed these opportunities for you to choose how do you want to conduct an experiment that will allow you to strengthen your own skills, your own habits, your own behaviors? And then how do I create a higher awareness, right? We're going into metacognitive theory with everybody now is I teach you about metacognition, but the theory itself, and I think once people go through it, especially my, my learning designers, once you go through the series, and we're not even done yet, the series could continue to go on, you will be able to start to understand how I designed it, the more that you, and then you'll be able to start transferring it into your own work. Yeah. Is there, I mean, I think, I mean, just being real, like, I think this is overwhelming for a lot of people. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, in my listeners brain and shoes right now and ears 
And I'm thinking they're probably thinking like WTF, like where, right, <laughs> like, right. where like where does one, like where does one actually start with this? Like how Watch the series. Yeah. Watch the series. I think yeah. for everyone that's listening, I think the part that we're also sort of failing to tell everybody is that I am such a jokester and a character. Yeah. <laughs> the series is funny. Like I actually found myself like <laughs> laughing out loud. <laughs> oh yeah. No, like I have, I, because I want, I, because I love laughing. It's like one of my top three things to do. I'm like buddy the elf, but like it was that like, I wanted that experience for everybody and I wanted them to go through a journey that sort of mimicked the one that I went through, yeah. but with a lot less pain, a lot yeah. less pain. Right. So yeah, I mean the first release there was me, I was messing around with people on set like the whole time. And I, and then that made excellent B-roll to put into, <laughs> into the actual series. And then, you know, going out onto the streets and talking to people um, when we did the second release in April, I amplified that even more, right? It's like more experiments, more getting you involved in it so that it's, it's hella fun, right? It's just so much fun, but it's not too fun. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, novelty and novelty. The brain loves novelty. I don't even know if I would say it's, I mean, it's funny. You're funny. You are. Thank you. Um, you. But to me, it felt like I was hanging with someone hella smart who was like showing me a good time on how to use my brain. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like it felt like I was, awesome. and I think that's a big piece too, that we can probably take away. I feel like what I loved about the intentionality is it wasn't like in this course, we're going to, you know, like, you know, it was very much like, yo, I'm your friend. Like I've been on this journey. I'm going to take you on a journey. And mm-hmm let's go. Like, here's the things you need to do it. And here's, here's what you can expect kind of, but also there's going to be some things that you don't expect and we'll get to those when we get to those. So I, I appreciated the, the, the tone of it. And I think that also could speak a lot to a, who you are as a person, but also it's a good lesson. I think for people from our low hanging fruit, from Mm. an L and D perspective of like, cut it out with the like the rope, the, the robotics and how do we just be one human to another? Like that's yeah. how I felt watching your series. Aww. Like here's one human who just knows her shit, who's telling another human who doesn't quite know that shit, yeah. how to know that shit, <laughs> like and how to use it, you know? And I think even just that piece of it is something that if we can just start to incrementally take in, we can see a big, a big shift in things too. Oh, not a huge shift, yes. not, the, not the ultimate no, shift, but to me, I'm thinking if someone's like, oh, where do I even start? It's like, how are you even just talking to people? Like, mm. what, what is the reaction of the person on the other end? Are they, yeah. are they, are they rolling mm. their eyes too when it starts? Or are they like, oh, who's this cool chick? Like, okay. Like, you know, and even that, like, is that, like, that could, ha- that can help incrementally too. So I appreciate the, not just, I know that was intentional, Right. I, I, I know that, but I want to let you know, I, I appreciated that. And I think that's something that even people watching, going through this learning experience with you could get, even if they're like, this is overwhelming to even see how it's just put together and the tone of it can make a huge difference too. Thank you. I mean, I appreciate that so much, but I also sort of want to just like share with everyone that it took me a long time to get to that place of being that comfortable with myself. Yeah. Right. I came from corporate. I mean, you guys wouldn't even recognize me. Like I had straight, I would straighten my hair. <laughs> I would straighten my hair. Like that's how, like I was playing the, I was playing the part for a really long time and it just didn't serve me. But the moment that I got in front of an audience or the moment that I got on stage, I was like, I don't want to be someone different there than I am when I'm working with you yeah. or when I'm just talking with you. And and the veil really, really did come down because of everything you just said, right? Everyone's so mechanical all the time. And it's so like by the book and pro- I'm like, okay, no, absolutely not. Right. Like I'm just as impressed and enamored with a waiter or a waitress who can carry 20 plates. Cause I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, you're amazing. Like, how did you do that? And that's, I just wanted that sense and that feel, which is like, Hey guys, I'm a nerd. Um, granted I'm pretty cool, 
but I know all this great stuff. Let me not just share it with you. Let me show it to you. Like you got to know this, right? Like you just, it's so cool. And that's what's driven me throughout this whole thing is through my whole career into all of this. It was like, oh my God, you guys, you've got to hear it. Like, did you know? Like, oh my God, you need to know this. Like, did you hear about this? Like it, it was that it was just my own, like, I can't believe how substantially this is changing my professional world and my, my world in, as a learning designer, but as just a human being, I was like, you guys need to know this. Like, you want to know it? Okay, you don't? That's totally cool. <laughs> like, uh, watch the parts of the videos where I'm just pulling pranks on people then. <laughs> yeah, but it's, yeah, I think you just make it relatable. And I think that's, a, a, that's just a big piece. Like, you are relatable. And I think, no, I think you know, so. it's an important part of, as we're thinking about designing just for, like, forget about the brain for like half a second, like just for humans in general, yeah. like, you know, yeah. humans want to talk to other humans too. So we... I will say this, and I, I bet you people are probably thinking about this, and we'll kind of, well, I'll ask you this, and then we'll kind of wrap things up, but I know we have a lot of people listening to this podcast who are either new to L&D, or maybe not necessarily new, but they're an individual contributor, so they hear mm -hmm. you, they're going to buy your course, they're going to be obsessed with you, they are going to want to start implementing some of the things they see and that they're, they're experiencing, but they may not be in a position of influence in their organization or team, so they may not be able to to influence someone to say, Hey, let's bring Lauren in and do yeah. like, do the session. What, what would you say is one thing people can start to do, or maybe some of your, like, what are some ways people can infuse some of your teachings into their own more individual contributor work, even if it's not part of the larger L and D strategy, like how can we infiltrate at the, that lower level? You know, I sympathize because it's very challenging. It's incredibly challenging. And you know, I think it's <laughs> okay, guys, I'm going to give you a little sneaky, sneaky here. Um, when you start doing little things, like when you're speaking to somebody, when you, okay, so first watch part of the series, learn a little, a few of the like little tips and tricks and whatnot, and then start using them, not, not against somebody, but with somebody so that they can have an activated experience where yeah. you're like, Love that. Uh, you're not really paying attention and here's how I know. Right. And even the you, focus exercise, right? Like, Oh like, God, the focus. It's, a, it's yeah. a simple one to recreate for an anywhere and anywhere. Right. So I, I, I love that idea. Of but the practical, I mean, we're taking this, like, you can take this into meetings, right? Like, and we've coached people in their meetings on how to utilize this because how often do people sit in a meeting for an hour and everyone, you know, the, the last few minutes are like, okay, everyone know what they're doing. Yeah. Okay, great. And everyone goes. And I always, there's always like two or three people who have like a huddle afterwards. Like, do you, do you remember what that person said? Like, what was it that we're supposed to know? Okay. Um, let's just make that up. Yeah. <laughs> when you're when you're in the meeting, you can use these things. Yeah. You can capture, right? So part of the theory, and again, go watch the series, you're gonna learn all of this. But when you catch somebody in a moment of not knowing and thinking they know, <laughs> that's when you've got the opportunity to sort of start awakening people, right? It's like, oh, oh, you know what, Sarah? I actually didn't know that. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. But it seems like you're calling people out and in a way you kind of are, but you're doing it in such a way that you're not calling them out. All you're trying to do is bring a conscious awareness of what they're missing or what they, they thought they knew what to do or they didn't know what to do. And this is very easily done in a meeting at any point in the meeting, but you have to design that, you know, strategically design the meeting in order for those moments to happen. But that's probably the best win that you can get to start changing behaviors and changing perspectives on how effective these things can be. So that's my best advice to anyone listening right now. Yeah. And I, one of the things I got to, I've gotten from our whole conversation is uh, as well is when you, when you start to utilize these practices and you start to, you start to join forces with your own brain, Yeah. you become a better human, just period oh, God, of the story, yeah. but you, you become more productive, you become more successful, like all of these things are byproducts of joining forces with your brain. So I all also think that what will happen is even if even if you can't even implement that in a meeting or, or tactically do that, if you turn it inwards, and you just focus on how can you join forces with your brain to the best of your ability, mm. people will start to notice and say, what are how did you how did you do all that? Or what? Like, wow, like you captured 
that happened in the meeting, right? Yeah. Like people will start to ask you those questions and you could say, yeah, because I join forces in my brain. Like, hello, you know? So I think that can also be a way where it's like, maybe you have no influence whatsoever. And that's, uh, I, we both can sympathize with that. Um, and at the same time, it doesn't mean you can't turn inward and, and do the work yourself. People will start to notice that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like it started, like I said, this whole journey started with me going through it, learning about it, experimenting, and then then slowly infiltrating, you know, other, <laughs> others on this. And, and it's now become a movement. And I'm very proud to be, you know, so the captain of that ship. So yes. Yar. Yar <laughs> we all. love that. <laughs> um, all right. So to close things out, it, it you have a masterpiece, we, we shall call it, uh, called Joining <laughs> Forces with Your Brain. Tell us a little bit high level about it and where people can purchase it. Cause, and I'll put, I'll put all that in the show notes as well, but I want to hear a little bit more about it from you um, and what they can expect in it. Um, so you can very plainly and simply go onto the Learning Pirate website and you can find everything there. We've recently just put the first five chapters up on YouTube on the Learning Pirate page. Those are free, you know, like, link to that. yeah, you know, it's like everything it's, we, we're not going in for hard sells. You make a decision, right? Like you make a decision on whether this feels right and good for you. What I will say is that what you're going to find surprising um, and which I'm still wondering if I'm just like, you know, such a fool for doing, um, knowing that a lot of the people who were going to want to participate in this would not have budget. You know, the organizations wouldn't give them give them budget. Um, and because I wanted this to be a public series, right? So it's not only a people in L&D, it's educators, it's your average everyday person. It's the person who's going to the grocery store right now and going, oh man, like money's tight. Yeah. Um, so we costed it at such a rate that is, it's worth a book. It's like, it's about a book, a 50, a good book, $50 um, to make it financially accessible to as many as we possibly could. Awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'll link to all of that in there and it's, it's worth, it's, it's just, I mean, even, I mean, the module, the, the free modules on YouTube, like will give you so much, but what it will also do is leave you wanting more and <laughs> craving more and $50 is, is absolutely worth that. So uh, Lauren, this has been so fantastic. I know for me, I'm just at the beginning of my journey, understanding a lot of this. Um, I, I felt a kindred spirit when you had said, about earlier of like that more inherent knowing and I've always been called to in some sort of you know, intuition around what we've been doing is wrong no not with it not wrong but we can do it better right um and just learning from you and following you and being in your world and of course having you on today has helped me put some more of those pieces together so I know I'm really excited to continue on being able to join forces with my brain. I'm just at the beginning stages of that. And I've already just through going through your materials thought about how do I bring that into my coaching and how do I coach mm. other people? Um, I think there, that's a whole, whole nother world too, of, of what that looks like for me. And I know so many people here will want to connect with you and follow you and learn from you. So where is the best place that people, people can find you, connect with you, learn from you, hire you, all of those things, where, where can they find you? I caused the biggest stink, as you know, on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, I do have Learning Pirate has an Instagram account and I am just, do you know what I would love for anyone listening? I'm just so horrendous with social media, but if someone asks me a direct question, that will prompt me to like do more. So um, yeah, if you want to see me more on Instagram, just prompt me. Um, I refuse okay, to be on, refuse to be on TikTok. Lauren. Tell her yeah. you want more content on Instagram. Yeah, um, I refuse to be on TikTok. So don't look for me on TikTok. I won't be there. <laughs> I love it. Well, we'll put all the all your contact information in the show notes as well. Um, we'll link to the what are you're not calling it a course. What are you calling it? I'll make sure it's a journey. Journey. Well, it's a journey, and the series. Well, we're calling it a series because that's kind of what it's turned into. It's uh, you can treat it like a, a series that has, you know, right now we're on release number two. So, think about your favorite Netflix show, and and you know, like the part two we're on right now. So Love there it. could be a part three, there could be a part four. It's really up to everyone because, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, the the last underlying secret of of the learning pirate and joining forces with your brain is in order to bring this to the world. Um, I self-funded it. So it's up to everybody else whether or not it continues. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'll link to everything to you all. I know people will be jumping on, uh, jumping on it, especially at that accessible price too. So really excited for more people to learn to <laughs> uh, partner with their, their own brains. Lauren, thank you so, so much for hopping on the podcast today. Um, I know it will not be the last time we'll have you on here, um, especially maybe when, uh, series three drops we can come in here and maybe talk some more about some specifics around that but just appreciate you as a human appreciate you as a learning scientist appreciate you as a learning designer um and just appreciate you for coming on today and sharing all of your wonderful wealth of knowledge with us so thank you for everything oh and thank you as well without people like you and the podcast hosts and the conference organizers and the webinars and everyone who gives me the platform to do so we couldn't get this out there so a big thank you to you as well Thank you so much for listening to the L&D Career Club podcast. If today's episode sparked anything inside you, I would love to hear about it. Feel free to share your ahas and takeaways by sending me a message on LinkedIn or Instagram or by leaving a podcast review. And if you want more support on your L&D career journey, I invite you to join us inside the L&D Career Club membership, where we are redefining what it looks like to grow in your L&D career. Visit theovernighttrainer.com slash programs for more information and to activate your membership. See y'all back here next week.